This is LaQuest, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. Hello, LaQuest. I am Maria Nider, and I'm here again with my colleague, Jen Hardy. Hi, Jen. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Um, and today we're actually talking, or uh, Jen is going to tell us all the good stuff that she um, learned and some of the sad stuff that we are going to be listening to, but in a good way, about some issues happening across the nation, but in particular in some areas that are really important for uh, a community that we support here in California and that we're proud to be um, a part of and um, and representing them uh, in the legislative arena at the very least. So Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit about this episode? Definitely. So I felt very privileged to be able to be a part of this episode. And we're talking about trans rights today, especially as they pertain to trans youth. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of the countries decided to uh, make this into a political issue instead of uh, making sure that kids just get the care that they need and um, healthcare and love that they need. And so we were uh, very honored to have Assemblymember Alex Lee and Mayor Lisa Middleton on our podcast to talk about this issue. And they do such a good job of talking about it that I'm gonna let them take it away. I'm Assemblymember Alex Lee. I have the great distinction of representing the California's 25th Assembly District in the Bay Area, and I'm also the first openly bisexual state legislator. Today, I'm going to have a conversation with Lisa Middleton, who is a pioneer in her own right. She is currently the mayor of Palm Springs and also the first trans uh, elected to a non-judicial judicial seat and was has done a lot of uh, visibility and issue work in this area. And I think it's especially relevant to talk to Lisa today because of what's happening in the country right now. We're seeing a lot of weaponization against trans youth, against trans families, especially in red states where they are trying to, well, for better lack of word, they're really reactionary politicians trying to put a wedge between our communities to stoke fear and get votes. It's an old trick in the book and especially the LGBT community were always been used as some sort of fodder or some sort of boogie person and that's unacceptable. But in California, we do something entirely different. So hopefully other states can learn from us and hopefully we can also be doing a lot more to protect and welcome trans families. But I also want to welcome Lisa Bilton, who is openly trans as well and a great advocate for community. And uh, Lisa, do you wanna introduce yourself for a second? And we'll have a, I'm sure a very um, spirited discussion about what's going on in the country. Certainly. Uh, Assembly member, it's an honor to be with you today and uh, my appreciation uh, to the California State Legislature that has uh, set the mark uh, for legislatures around the country in terms of supporting and defending uh, the transgender residents and citizens of uh, our state. Uh, I am uh, have been out as transgender uh, since the early 1990s and uh, uh, very proud to be a member of this uh, community. Uh, and in 2010, uh, my wife and I thought we had retired to uh, Palm Springs, California, uh, but uh, Palm Springs had other ideas for us. And uh, uh, through a collection of work in neighborhood organizations and then uh, time on the Palm Springs Planning Commission, I was fortunate enough to be elected to the city council in Palm Springs in 2017. Uh, and with that election, 
uh, our city council that had been uh, a majority LGBTQ for uh, nearly two decades became the first city in the United States to uh, be all LGBT. Uh, and I'm particularly proud that we had the L, the G, the B, and the T covered uh, among the five members of our city council. Uh, in 2020, I ran for re-election and ran unopposed. Uh, and I've been telling all of my friends since then, I am willing to run against nobody anytime. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, uh, at the, uh, in December of last year, uh, and we rotate our mayors here in Palm Springs uh, okay. among everyone on city council, I had the honor of being uh, sworn in as mayor of uh, the city of Palm Springs becoming only the third transgender person in the history of our country uh, to be the mayor of an American city. Uh, what has been particularly gratifying is how many times as I'm walking around uh, town, somebody will uh, pull me aside and say, uh, I'm really proud that you're our mayor. Uh, that feels good because they probably wouldn't be doing it if they didn't think we were doing a relatively good job. But it also says something about our community and our commitment to, uh, to diversity, to inclusion, to equity. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm sure there are very few cities in the entire country that could even say they are near a majority at all um, of having a majority or near majority of LGBTQ council members. What do you feel like uh, that has enabled you to, or what results has come from that, from that level of representation that's unprecedented in so many places in the country? It has given us uh, exposure. Mm -hmm. uh, certainly uh, the brand of Palm Springs is one that has been uh, known worldwide uh, going back for now nearly a hundred years. Uh, dating back to the times when uh, so many folks uh, from Hollywood found uh, Palm Springs to be a place that they like to visit. Uh, AARP has identified uh, Palm Springs as being the preeminent place for uh, LGBTQ seniors to retire to. Uh, and uh, uh, I keep inviting them to come and to visit but remind them that uh, we still need their votes in Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Florida. Uh, so uh, maybe a part-time residence might be good. <laughs> well, that's certainly, certainly definitely still need people's solidarity and their, their actives in other states, but we certainly welcome them to come to California, of course, and to beautiful places like Palm Springs. I can, you know, I was just thinking, even in my district of over half a million people, I think I only have one council member who's openly out. One, one, one out of five cities. So we, we have some work to do up here as well. And, you know, on the topic of welcoming folks to California, how do you think California in the scope, in the scope of our history, our recent history, and especially with our, with our LGBT community, where we have faced different trials and tribulations and, per and persecutions, where are we now at, um, in this point of history? How do you feel the attack on trans youth and using that as wedge issue now compares to previous iterations of when, like I alluded to, people use us as a boogie person. How do you feel this stacks up to those times? You know, it's difficult to take and compare the struggle that uh, one generation, one group of people have uh, compared to another. Uh, I grew up in uh, 
a community, working class community in East Los Angeles. And there were uh, at that time in the 1950s and 60s, so many individuals who had uh, fled Jim Crow South. Uh, and the discrimination that they faced was, uh, was life-threatening uh, and life-ending in far, far too many uh, situations. Uh, we have seen over and over again uh, examples of groups of people being targeted for who they are. Uh, and that has happened, as we know, uh, clearly in California. Uh, but uh, as California swings back and forth, uh, I think we are an example of a state and a community uh, that consistently uh, swings back towards values of inclusion. And uh, uh, I believe that has made us uh, stronger as a state, uh, both in terms of uh, the economy, but in terms of those values make a difference uh, in people's lives. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm native born California and I'm very proud uh, to too. be uh, in this state. And one of the uh, stories that I like to tell uh, when I was running for city council the first time, uh, doing a fundraiser like we all do, do as we're running for political office and uh, part of the event that evening was a reception line where I could uh, shake hands and say thank you to all of the individuals who had come uh, to the reception and about halfway through uh, that line a little girl about uh, five years old a uh, little bit shy uh, put her hand out to me and said, uh, hello, I'm Lori. I'm like you. I'm transgender. Uh, and my heart still sinks a little bit. And uh, that was 2017. Uh, so she's about 10, 11 years old uh, uh, today. Uh, and the kinds of uh, actions that are being taken in so many states today would be directly affecting her. And as it turned out, when I spoke with uh, her incredibly proud parents uh, later in the evening, they had moved to California uh, because they knew uh, that it would be in California, not the state they had come from, where their daughter would have a chance to go to school and participate fully as who she was. And uh, that the best chance uh, for uh, for their family, for their child, uh, was here in California. Uh, I can go on and on, uh, but uh, and I, I think that's an sorry, Lisa, not to cut you off, but I think that's like an important point that I kind of want to stress for people if they're listening who don't have as many lived experiences or even secondary experiences with uh, trans folks or even in the LGBT community in general. Is you know something I, I see a lot about is and especially a tactic of the political right, is they use on its face kind of safe-seeming things, right? It's about sports, sport competitions, bathrooms. Well, now they've kind of just go full, full mask off, right? They just persecute people. But they usually use something that's quite innocent on its face. But how can you describe a little bit like how these things, while they seem innocent, are actually very destructive to trans families or individuals? 
Uh, imagine the heartache that's going on in uh, homes in uh, Texas and Missouri and other states uh, today where you have a family with a transgender child. Uh, you know, perhaps their connections to the state they are living in are, uh, are recent, or perhaps their uh, connections are generational, uh, going back. Uh, and uh, they have now a child that they want to stand up for and do what any strong, good parent wants to do give their child the greatest opportunity to grow up and realize their dreams and to uh, uh, determine their reality. And now the state is stepping in uh, and trying to tell you how to raise your child, telling you what health care is appropriate and not appropriate to your child, not because medical practitioners have said uh, this is what you should or should not do because of elected officials with no medical training other than what they have picked up on uh, Facebook in the last hour and a half are making decisions for other people's lives. And uh, as I like to describe that, imagine the dynamics in that in a household with a transgender child, a brother and sister who perhaps are not, uh, a mother, a father, grandparents, all of them having to make decisions as to what we are going to do with in our lives uh, and where are we going to go. Uh, so yeah, I'm an elected official, I've run for office. I know that uh, uh, you run for office trying to win uh, races and campaigns and uh, make your uh, stand on your issues. Uh, but there are real people that are at stake here. Uh, this is not about uh, uh, changing the trajectory of uh, how somebody else is living their life. And it's feeding into a very false and destructive narr narrative that somehow or another uh, being uh, transgender or gay or lesbian or bisexual is a choice that people make. And if only we make that choice less attractive for them, then they won't make it. Well, we've tried that uh, with uh, uh, laws uh, against uh, uh, gay men and lesbians expressing their love for one another for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Those laws never ever worked and they never will. You cannot change who a human being is. We know in our soul who we are. Uh, and I like to uh, tell some of my friends, particularly from uh, uh, the South, uh, my parents came to California as small children from Oklahoma during the Dust Bowl. Uh, I grew up in an evangelical Pentecostal household. Uh, all those prayers you say I should have prayed that would change me. I prayed. It didn't work. It's not going to work. What does work is being honest and truthful about who you are. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And I really hope that there are folks who can look at our example in California and also look, reflect upon themselves to not be carrying on the 
centuries-old tradition of going after us just for cheap votes or cheap attention. And that's really saddening what we're doing. I mean, just just despicable. And I think it's it's feeding off of this trend where, you know, even though we see in California, we have a lot of progress, right? We finally overturned Prop 8. We have legalized and mainstream acceptance, for the most part, of the LGBTQ community. And then you see you have this reactionary thing where they latch onto these smaller issues, right? About like, whether it's health care, quote unquote, right? Or it's about the bathrooms or it's about sports. They always find something to try to latch onto, try to wedge people apart. And that's really the division uh, of, of hate, right? And I, and I am always inspired by your journey as well. And certainly we um, you might be, you might not be able to tell from our voices, but we have a different historical context in which we find ourselves in the LGBTQ advocacy world, right? Where this is, to me, I guess the second generation struggle. The first was just mainstream legalization of gay marriage. That was when I was in high school, and now, now we're going through this wave of it seems attack on trans lives and just finding little things for the right can grab on. But for for your sake, you've been around lot, lot around longer, and you've been in this fight longer than I have, which is amazing because. For you to pioneer these fights and have these fights was allowing folks like me to come in. Like that's how our community works, where right? we break the glass ceilings and exponentially our growth will keep keeping growing. But I always wanted to ask you is like, what, what do you feel like is one of the, the hardest challenges as an openly trans elected official? Do you feel there's been any specific challenges you've experienced as, as a trans individual? And what how have you overcome that? Uh, well, uh... You know, my heroine growing up was uh, the uh, uh, late Congresswoman uh, Barbara Jordan from Texas, who broke so many barriers okay. uh, for the African American community and really only barely came out as uh, a lesbian just before she uh, passed away. Uh, grew up in a very, very different era. Uh, but uh, the great columnist Molly Ivins, uh, in her obituary of uh, Barbara Jordan said, it's easy to find her. She's the first and only. Uh, and uh, so most of the time when I go somewhere, I'm the first and only. Uh, and uh, uh, but that's going to change. Uh, it's changing already across uh, the country. Uh, uh, we've got uh, some wonderfully uh, talented people uh, who are members of the transgender community who uh, are holding elected office. On the morning that uh, I was uh, elected to the Palm Springs City Council, uh, there were seven members of the transgender community that were uh, holding elected office. And when I went to sleep that evening, the number had grown to 15. Uh, that's still 15 out of 340 million people. Uh, we've got a ways to go. Uh, but uh, I look across and we see uh, transgender uh, city council members in places like Wheeling, uh, West Virginia. Uh, we see a state senator in uh, Delaware, uh, uh, a assembly member in Colorado who ran in a very purple, uh, very competitive district and was reelected. Uh, so uh, uh, things are changing. Uh, for us. Uh, and what's really important is, uh, uh, in some respects, the right wing that is uh, targeting transgender individuals are prodding and pushing transgender people to step up and to provide our voice mm 
sure. in opposition. Uh, I adore all of our allies. We could not be where we are today, but for the allies within uh, the larger LGBTQ community. Uh, but from time to time, it is absolutely necessary for somebody who has the lived experience to be able to challenge uh, what is being said about us uh, and to hold, be the example of why uh, what is being uh, thrown out uh, in these states is simply not true. Absolutely. And I think that's why it's important to uplift voices like yours and incredible public service you've had, especially as we are hopefully set to recognize trans, gender nonconforming, and intersex awareness month at the end of this month in March. And uh, Senator Scott Wiener and the rest of the LGBT caucus, including myself, we have just recently uh, has recently unveiled legislation to protect trans youth across the country and to make sure that California won't abide by basically witch hunts, right? They want to come to other states and hunt down people for the gender affirming care, but we have to step it up. And I'm hoping that eventually this sense of urgency and this sense of justice is also extended to the federal level, of course, and of all these other states. Because if we don't have more people like us with their lived experience, I always, if we saw this too in other government decisions, we are an afterthought. If we aren't the ones primarily making decision making, we get left out of these things. People forget about our own lived experiences. People forget about what needs need to be done to meet our community or where we need to meet our community to make sure that health, even basic things like healthcare and housing are met. We need to have those life, um, those lived experiences in it. So that's why it's important to uplift your voice uh, in this process too. So I think um, the last thing I want to ask you about is what gives you hope these days? What gives you hope that tomorrow will be a better day for LGBTQ community? Great question. Uh, and I do have hope. Uh, the, uh, the individuals I encounter across uh, uh, this state in particular, but truly across the country, who are revulsed by what they see and hear uh, in, uh, in states such as Texas, that gives me hope. Uh, the kinds of uh, laws that are being passed. The people I encounter uh, give me hope. Uh, uh, last uh, few days ago, I flew up uh, to Sacramento for uh, board meetings at uh, uh, CalPERS, where I'm on uh, mm -hmm. that board. Uh, the uh, individual I met at uh, the uh, TSA gate when I handed her my ID, uh, her eyes got really big and she said, are you Lisa Middleton? I said, <laughs> yes. And then she said, I'm transgender. Oh. Now I've met a lot of TSA agents over the course of uh, the years, but uh, that simple little encounter of uh, meeting someone happened again today uh, during uh, lunch with our hospitality association. Mm -hmm. a woman walks up to me. She's uh, recently uh, in town, uh, has a long career in the movie industry, and is here uh, to build a transgender film festival in Palm Springs. So, oh, that's you know, awesome. uh, what gives me hope, and I referenced CalPERS. Uh, when I came out and when I transitioned uh, as an employee of the state of California, my health care was specifically banned uh, a few
few years, a couple of years ago, I'm sitting at a committee meeting at CalPERS and I am listening not to talk of banning transgender health care, but the chief medical officer for CalPERS describing the work that she's doing to build a medical network of individuals who are experienced and talented in providing transgender health care so that it anyone who's covered through CalPERS is, and is transgender is not just going to simply have the legal right to, uh, to health care, but most importantly will actually have a culturally competent physician who wants to provide them the care that they need. We've got a long way to go. We have a long way to go, but we've come a long way as well, Lisa. Yeah. Thanks so much for your incredible public service. Thanks for being on this episode of the podcast where I am improvising as a host. But as we ask other states to look west to California and our progress and hopefully emulate it, we're also looking out east, right, for all our, our siblings in the community. And if they ever want to come here, learn more about us or move here even, they should definitely do that. But thanks so much again for being on. Uh, again, I'm Assemblymember Alex Lee, and we just heard from Lisa Middleton, the mayor of Palm Springs, also serves on CalPERS work, which I forgot, sorry, and also an excellent, excellent out and trans individual who's advocating for our community. So thank you so much, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you very much to Assemblymember Alex Lee and Palm Springs Mayor Lisa Middleton. Maria? And thank you to our listeners, to this Look West audience uh, for your time. Don't forget to follow us on the Assembly Dems Instagram account and Twitter and TikTok to get more updates on other episodes coming your way. Till next time. The Look West podcast is produced by the California Assembly Democrats. When you think of Californian politics, remember to look west.